Amen. Tonight, boy, I tell you, this series is turning into something. Amen. This series is turning into something. Amen. Seems the more I study, the more it's taking me in a different direction. Amen. So last week we we dig we di we dug into the word and we talked talked we talked about uh, when you meditate on the word of God. We looked at Psalm one, and we're talking about the title of this series is renewing your mind. Amen. Thank you, ushers. Renewing your mind, right? And one of the things that I said last week is that the enemy wants to rob us of the word, right? Uh, you and I must remind ourselves that the more intake you have of the word of God, the more responsible you are as to what you learn. But you have to remind yourself of this, that if you and I don't realize how powerful the word is, amen, and, and how powerful it is to change us, amen, then we will be looking for other things and other sources to change our lives. Is that making sense? Here's the thing. If you're not relying on God's word for change, you're relying on something else. Amen. Some people rely on positive thinking. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with positive thinking, but if you have a, a positive mind wrapped around the word of God, I believe that you can change. But here's the thing I told you last, well, I, when we started this series, we talked about the fact that if we're going to renew our minds, we must first realize that there are many lies we believe on a regular basis. And these lies inadvertently and sometimes maliciously come from our culture, our worldview, uh, our family, and even church. And what God wants to do is God wants to expose those lies. Do you realize that the moment that you wake up in the morning, you are bombarded with what? Thoughts. Before your feet hit the ground. Come on, somebody. Your mind, what's happening in your head, your head space is being either attacked, um, is being developed, amen, or or you have the ability to bring your mind under the control of the word of God. Y'all follow where I'm going with this? Now, there's something I want to introduce you to tonight. I told you I'm going to introduce you to a lot of different things here. Um, but recently, a um, survey was done. And it says that one out of every six people has a mental problem. <laughs> Imagine that. One out of six people. I believe, as I said last week, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and new things have come. Many believers, I believe, have a mental problem 
or mental problems because they have rejected the plan of God and are controlled by what they observe around them, their culture, the situation that they're going through, rather than being controlled by the Holy Spirit rather than yielding their life under the world word of God, they have developed what I call a worldly viewpoint. And that leads to, write it down, write this one phrase down. Watch this, I'm going to help you with something tonight. It leads to mental attitude sin. Oh, Lord, I'm going to say it one more time. There are a lot of people who say, I'm a good Christian. I give. I serve. I live for God. I pray all the time. I'm, every time I say hallelujah, all that. Good Christians. But what you don't know secretly is going on in their lives is they are committed mental. They are committing Mental attitude sins. My, 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 my. They are believing a lie over the truth. They are rejecting the plan of God for a system that they have been, that they have bought into. Amen. And by definition, amen, most of the believers sinning is done in the mental attitude. Can I ask you a question? How's your mental attitude? There's one thing to reject the lies of the enemy. There's, one, there's another thing to reject the word of God, but when your head space, <laughs> come on, y'all. When your head space is clouded, and I'll, I will give you the top sins that the mind commits. The body commits sins. That's why he says, you know, bring the members under your body under the sanctif sanctifying word of God so that you will not sin with your body. But the one thing that the enemy always, it goes unnoticed, saints, is our mental attitude. So they classify us as having a mental problem. Well, in all actuality, it's mental attitude sin that's actually controlling our thought pattern, our minds, and is holding us back from, watch this, from the blessings of God. Imagine this. Mental attitude sins, you may want to write these down, it includes these. You ready? You sure? Arrogance. Pride. Jealousy. Bitterness. Vindictiveness. Unhealthy ambition. Unhealthy competition. Guilt, 
fear, worry, anger, judging, hatred, and murder. But there's one more that I need to break down for you. Being unbendable. In other words, this person is never satisfied. This person, it's impossible to please them being unbendable. Not complacent, but not content with what they have. There's no convincing them to do something different because they have developed what I call an entitled spirit. Now, how did I get here? I'm just doing what the Lord is telling me to do. And if we're going to handle these, this list, we have to start somewhere. And where we have to start is we have to start in the book of Deuteronomy. Once you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, see, there's one thing to know the lies of the enemy about yourself, but there's another thing to lie to yourself about the enemy <laughs> and lie to yourself about the truth of yourself. I often wonder why people can't change. Why do people stay the same? And what I realize is that you can talk to a person till they're blue in the eyes, but until it clicks up here, mental attitude. See, they say mental health, the Bible says attitude. The Hebrew word for that word is shaga or shagain in the Hebrew, and it's found in the book of Deuteronomy. Imagine the Bible deals with mental attitude. And last week I told you in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God deals with the material, the non-material, and the spiritual, and also the psychological part of us. So the medicine for mental attitude sins is the word of God. Watch where I'm going with this. Okay, watch this. Uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and let's look at... Um, Let's, let's look at the people here. Let's look at verse 34. Uh, let's back it up. Let's back it up. Let's back it up. Let's back it up. Amen. Let's back it up to verse 27. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 is the blessing and, and the cursing, the blessings and the cursing, right? So you have God laying out the blessings to them. And then God, God laying out the consequences for disobedience, okay? And then in verse 27, the Lord, it says, the Lord will smite you with balls of Egypt, right? This is, this, is the, this is the consequences for their actions, right? And look what he says next. He says, and with tumors and with the scab and the itch from which you cannot be healed. See, I told you the word of God deals with all parts of us, but here's the thing. God is saying to the children of Israel, this is the stuff that will happen to you if you disobey me. It's very clear, right? 
So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the right thing, right? You think they would do the right thing, but in all actuality, they struggle with that. It says the Lord will smite you with what? There's that word, the next verse. The Lord will smite you in verse 28 with what? There's that word, Shaganah. All right? It has to do with being insane or psychotic. All right? It says to those believers who are negative and shall be driven mad by the sight of what you see. This is what this word means. He says madness. And with what? Blindness. And with what? Bewilderment of what? Heart. God says, I will strike you with madness. If you don't what? Obey me. And you shall grope at what? Noon. As the blind man gropes in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways, but you shall only be oppressed and robbed continually with none to save you. Right. Listen to this. Moses was telling the people, do not be deceived. But remember. That your mental attitude. Is a direct has a direct line to your obedience to God and his word. You see, I don't know what you're thinking tonight. But I know God knows your mind. Are you with me? And sometimes you're wondering, what's wrong with that person? Why do they act this way? And it is because before you encountered this person, they had a whole lot of things going around in their what? In their minds. The inside of pressure or stress in the soul combined with the function of the sin nature can destroy your spiritual life. What is it? <laughs> Wondering why am I not growing? Why am I staying the same? It's because, not because you're not saved, it's because right here in the mind, it's being attacked. It's being brought under the control of the sin nature. Are you following me? Listen to me. God told them, this is what's up. He says, you shall be thought a wife and another man shall violate her. Hold on a second. What? Is this the Bible? We don't want to teach this part of the Bible. See, you want, we want to hear all this positive stuff. I want to hear some stuff that's going to change me. He says, you shall build houses, build a house, but you shall not live in it. Imagine that. You shall plant a vineyard and you shall not use its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat it. Your donkey shall not shall be torn away from you and you shall be what shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have none to save you. God is laying out the obedience and disobedience. These are the consequences. But here's the thing. Moses warned them. Right? And as a believer, when we come under the control of the Spirit of God, we can overcome the mental 
torpedoes. The mental grenades that Satan keeps, the mental landmines that we keep stepping on. Come on, somebody. When we come under the control of the Holy Spirit. He said, I can't help myself. You and I have the Holy Spirit. And if we stand on the word of God and if we are controlled by him, our minds can be controlled by him. Let, let, me, let me show you something. Let me show you something. The antithesis of grace is arrogance. You know what arrogance is? That's the first mental attitude. You know what arrogance is? Write this down. Arrogance is blindness to the grace of God. The antithesis to grace is arrogance. It is total blindness to the grace of God. It is synonymous with vanity, which is empty pride in regards to that person's mental makeup, attainments, possessions, coupled with excessive desire to be noticed. That's arrogance. Write this down. You know what arrogance is? Lust for attention, lust for approval or praise from others. Arrogance is, is a decisive, but it deceives its victim. Go to Jeremiah chapter 49. Oh, you know I got you. Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Come on, say amen tonight. Don't y'all get quiet on me tonight. Jeremiah chapter 49. And let's look at verse 16. Verse 15 says, why your mighty ones become what? Postrate. They do not stand because the Lord has thrust them down. They have repeatedly stumbled. Indeed, they have fallen one against another. Then they said, get up and let us what? Go back to our own people and our own native land away from the sword of what? The oppressor. Am I reading the right one? No, I'm in, I'm in 46. I'm sorry. 49. I'm, I'm in 46. I guess you needed 46 too. Verse 16, y'all didn't say nothing. Yeah, Pastor, you're reading the wrong one. Okay, verse 16. It's, verse 14 says, I have heard a message from the Lord, and an envoy is sent among the nations saying, gather yourself together and come against her and rise up for battle. And behold, I've made you small among the nations, despised among men. As for the terror of you, the arrogance of your heart has what? There it is. Oh, you who live in the clefts of the rock, who occupy the heights of the hill, though you make your nest as high as an, as what? Eagles. You know what he's saying? He's saying you're separating yourself. You're going real high. You're trying to get away from everyone. Arrogance. That's what arrogance does to us. 
Okay. Remember, arrogance is a it deceive it, it deceives its victim. Amen. But watch what it says. Arrogance, what it does is it says here, though you make your nest as high as eagles, I will bring you down there, declares the Lord. Lord, deliver me from any form of arrogance. Proverbs 11.2, arrogance brings dishonor in your life. Proverbs. Person wants attention so bad. Come on, somebody. They, they'll do anything to get it, and it's a form of pride. But watch this. Proverbs 11 and 2. What does it say? Make sure I get the right one. Huh. When pride comes, then, then comes what? Dishonor. When pride comes. Go ahead. Woo, with the humble, there's what? There's wisdom. You see, this mental attitude sin of arrogance can rob us of all the blessings that God has for us. You say, well, I'm not an arrogant person, but you're always craving approval and attention. Are you with me? Now, we already know about pride. The next mental attitude sin, the worst sin, pride involves your self-esteem. When a person has pride, they are either conceited or preoccupied with self. So they reject authority. Boy, y'all ain't say nothing. Arrogance, pride, and conceit are the original sin in the garden. We call this person in the garden who tempted Eve, Satan. The, the original one. You know, Satan is full of pride. And if you are not careful mentally, you may outwardly look humble, but inwardly or mentally, you're prideful. Lord, deliver me from that too. Some people think they're not prideful, but they are. They cannot sit under anyone long enough to follow them because they are conceited and full of self. They are driven by something other than the word of God. Proverbs 8, 13. Read that for me. This is castor oil. 8, 13 says what? The fear of the Lord is what? Uh-huh. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth. The perverted what? 
Now, you know what it means by perverted mouth, right? Okay. Proverbs 16, 5. Lord, help me with my mental attitude. Everyone who is proud in heart is in a what? An abomination to the Lord. Surely he will not be what? Here's the one thing you have to know about pride. It will never go unpunished. God says your pride. Listen, I see people, right? This, this is why the Lord put me in this direction. I see people who are in church. They are very good in church. They're great performers. But mentally and emotionally, when they leave church, there's something different. And, and then they don't know why they can't change. They don't, they're, they're screaming to change, but they don't know. But until I bring it to your attention, how will you know? Come on, say amen. Here's another very serious mental attitude sin in this jealousy. Jealousy causes a self-destructive mental attitude involving a system of thinking from the world. They have what I want. Jealousy, which includes pride and arrogance, is the strongest mental attitude sin and is the other side of the coin from pride. So pride has two sides. It's pride and jealousy. Go to uh, James chapter 3. Come you say, Lord, deliver me tonight. Come on, y'all. Jealousy is older than the human race. It existed in the past with Lucifer when he was in heaven. And he wanted to be like God. Oh, come on, help me somebody. So what did he do? He was jealous. He said he wanted to be like God. But imagine this. And may I say this to you? May I say this to you tonight? The Bible says this, and this is what I'm saying about the mental attitude sins, okay? Just like your body is still under the curse. So you, you and I are saved, okay? Let me, let me get some things clear here. We're saved. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, okay? We have a new mind. The Bible says, and matter of fact, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. But can I ask an honest question tonight? <laughs> How many of you tonight can honestly say tonight that I'm always thinking like Jesus? Huh? How many can say that? Not many of us, right? It is because we're caught up between this world and the next. But because we're still under the curse of sin, the flesh that is, it includes our thought pattern. So the only way to overcome all of these things is to come under the control of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the church and serving and worship, and fellowship, and evangelism come under the complete control of God. Listen, you're not going to be perfect, but what you are going to be, amen, 
is conforming to the image of Christ. But can I tell you something? There are times when jealousy rises up in our minds. So I'm not a jealous person, but in your mind, it's just playing around. It is because you've entertained the what? The thought. Listen to this. Watch this. Jealousy will fill you with anger and rage. Jealousy will make you frustrated. Listen to me. Jealousy will cause you to be self-destructive. I'm okay with five views online. Rather than getting 27,000, 200,000 in one night. Because I'm okay with telling the truth. But I, I talk to my pastors about this. I tell them, I said, you got to be careful of comparing yourself all the time. That's a form of jealousy. When you're not satisfied with dealing and, and serving the people of God that you have been placed, that God has placed under your care and be good with that. May I ask you a question? What has God entrusted to you? That we're always, why do you think Satan gets us with Avon, Amway, Bitcoins, whatever the next new Nooney Juice thing is. I went way back. Nooney Juice. Yeah. I mean, so Nooney Juice. <laughs> Amen. Right? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. this because for some reason, we're not satisfied with what we have. Oh, oh, I'm going to show you something. I got, I'm going to get to this here in a minute. But watch this. Watch this. Read James 3.14 for me. James 3.14 says, it talks about, let's look at verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his what? See, see, see? The Bible talks about good behavior. His deeds in what? Gentleness and what? Of wisdom. But if you have... You, you know what? You know what? You know, you know what destroys the believer? <laughs> he didn't say not to be ambitious. But the text says, what kind of ambition? Selfish ambition. See that? In your what? In your heart. Do not be arrogant, so lie against the what? Truth. The wisdom, this wisdom, watch this. There are two types of wisdom, okay? Listen, do you know there are thousands of books you can buy? Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Okay? Every rapper now is writing a book. About how they made it. This book, the world has its wisdom and the kingdom has wisdom. You got to decide who you're going to borrow from. 
I ain't borrowing from the world's wisdom. Because he says, watch this, the wisdom is not that did not come down from where? Above, but is what? Earthly? Natural? And what? It's demonic. You're wondering what's going on with me. It's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder. I fight to keep order. I fight to keep order in the church. You know why? Because Satan wants to bring in his thought patterns. He wants to bring jealousy and he wants to bring all this stuff into the church. And it is the job of the shepherd to protect the sheep from this. Why do you think I'm teaching this? I hesitated. I said, well, they ain't ready for this. Well, no, let me give it to them. Are you following me? Jealousy affects your health negatively. Did you know that? Go to Proverbs 14.30. Lord Jesus, help me tonight. You know, we always, if you're honest with yourself, Lord, let me be honest with me. Okay, 14.30, what does it say? What does it say? Huh? Wait a minute. Proverbs 14 and 30? What does it say? Yes. A you know what that word, you know what that word means? It means to come under uh, a sedative. A peaceful heart. Lord, give me a peace. I mean, want a peaceful heart. Lord, just give me a peaceful heart, Lord, in the midst of the rage of the torrents of the things that keep throwing themselves at me. Lord, just give me a peaceful heart. Look what it says. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the what? To the bone. It is very difficult for the believer to get over jealousy. Jealousy comes with different symptoms. You know what one of the symptoms is? Insecurity. But when you rebound, when you apply the doctrine of the word of God to your life and you resuscitate your life to come under the pre-designed plan of God for your life, come on somebody, and you allow God to give you what, what's due to you and you're not looking at what everybody else will have, but you say, God, I thank you for where I am. I'm grateful for what I have. You come under the control of God. Now let's get to this unbendingness now. The, the theological word is impassibility. <laughs> but I just say meaning unbending. It is characterized by the one who is impossible to be pleased or satisfied. This person is not flexible. Okay? 
it takes root in the mental attitude of the soul where the person has no appreciation for life. You with me? They're not willing to see it somebody else's way. Um, the growing believer's life should be overflowing with appreciation. Appreciation for what God has done for them. See, the person who's unbendable will not, will not be grateful for the little things. Many Christians yearn for more things. And yet, they do not appreciate all that God has already done. They, they are so caught up in their destination <laughs> that they forget to enjoy the journey. I wish I had somebody. And above all, they do not have gratitude. The graciousness, the love for people, the ability to get along with other people. Some people say they're spoiled, but they're not spoiled. They're unbendable. They're unappreciating. They refuse to appreciate the little things. Appreciation of life itself is often a part of spiritual maturity. Listen to this. Proverbs 27. Lord, deliver me. Let me not be unbendable. Let me appreciate the things that you have given me. These people cannot appreciate life itself as part of the spiritual maturity, but the idea you suddenly become aware of you being a miracle. Being alive, being on this planet, you begin to enjoy life. Even if you, you're, you're feel, you're not, you, you won't even have the feeling of being stuck. You can appreciate. See, the person who has the mind of Christ can appreciate the little things. Their joy comes from just waking up, getting, knowing that they can get in their car and knowing that they have a roof over their head, knowing that they're breathing, knowing that they don't have no sickness, no ailments, no, 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 nothing going on with them. But they are so appreciative of what God has done for them that they are willing to go where he tells them to go, do what he tells them to do, you know, meet the needs of others. They get along with people. Sometimes people, I see them, they can't get along with nobody because they're so dissatisfied with their life that they want to make everybody else's life just like their life. You got to get from around them. Yeah, these people cannot realize 
that their ordinary life, God has taken it and turned it into a miracle. Don't let me get so far, God, where I forgot or forget where you brought me from. Please don't let me be in a relationship where I will not change, where I will not break, where I will not see it another way, where I'm not able to understand. Please, God. Proverbs 27, 20 says what? Is that what it says? Thought I said that. Death and hell. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever what? See that? When a person is never satisfied, you know what, you know what happens to a person who's never satisfied? They jump from one thing to the next thing. One month they're doing something. The next month they're doing something else. The next week they're doing something else. The next five weeks they're doing something else. And they're jumping from place to place and thing to thing. And they were running after something they will never get because it's driven by selfish motive. Second Timothy, let me show you Second Timothy real quick. The Apostle Paul tells, tells us that we're living in the last days. And as a matter of fact, in the last days, um, you, you know, in the last days, I, I got to make sure dispensationally is correct. God says he will send a deceiving spirit where people are not going to believe the truth. Imagine that, because what God is into is weeding. He weeds out his kingdom. And so if you and I are so quick, when, you are, when we are full of self, we are easily swayed. We're easily pulled in a different direction, and we will believe just about anything. Go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Real quick, my time is running out. Time I don't have. Got to get to that last one, though. Got to get to that last one. What does it say? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. And I'm, I'm trying not to use big words. That's why I seem like I'm hesitating here tonight because I want you to get this, okay? All right? Because, because this, is, this is deep doctrine here. This is, this is seminary-style teaching right here, okay? Level teaching so that, so that you understand that. I'm not trying to be hesitant here, but I want you to, I want you to get this, okay? I want you to have this. I want you to believe this. I want you to change. The only way you can change is if you check your mental attitude sins. That's why it's so important. Here's the thing to get your truth journal. And whatever lies you believe, you got to put it in there and then you have to find the truth. But then you have to find out what mental attitude sins have I committed today, God, that I have to repent of. Look what he says. Difficult times will come. That's what he says. For men will be lovers of what? Lovers of what? Money. Boastful. Arrogant. The whole list that I talked about tonight. Revilers. Disobedient to parents. Unbendable. 
unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. You know what that means? You can't get along. There's no getting along. I mean, we cannot reconcile our differences. He says malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of what? Treacherous. Re oh, I haven't even got into I have. I I'm going to teach you all about how a Christian can live their lives, that's where I'm going next, in reverse mode. Instead of drive, you got it in reverse. And you're backing the grace of God up on you. And you're living in the places where God delivered you from. But you got to put that thing in drive. That's what that means right there. That word right there when it says reckless. Conceited. Ain't got a pot, but you conceded. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of who? Watch verse five. D verse five is the key. Holding to a form of what? Godliness. Imagine this. Imagine that you look godly. Speak godly, but you ain't got no power. You don't have the power to grab the thought when it comes in your mind and say, devil, you can't have my mind today. Satan, you will not get me today. Satan, no, I, re I repent tonight, God, of my mental attitude sins, and I am coming out of this victoriously tonight. First Corinthians 10 and 4 says what? Did I finish that? Did I finish that? Let me finish it. It says godliness, holding to a form of godliness. Also, they have denied, also, although they have denied what? It's power. It says avoid such men as these. Run from them. Yes. Misery loves company. The people you hang with are going to be the ones who pull you back. People who come in the form of Jesus, you know, they come like with the Jesus talk and they come with the let's pray together kind of talk and they come with the, you know, let's read together and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden they have a hidden agenda and then all of a sudden they find themselves putting their claws in you. And guess what? Before you know it, you're thinking just like them. Imagine this. Imagine you're so upset because of the way your life is going, right? But you messed it up. What you call that? Deception. But you're upset. You're mad. You're mad at the world. You're mad at God. And God says, listen, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't mess it up. You did. First Corinthians 10, 4. Is that right? 10 and what? 5. First Corinthians 10, 5. Is that right? Let me see. First Corinthians 10. No. 
No, that's another one. That's Second Corinthians. Go to Second Corinthians. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yes, there it is. Look what it says. Ten. All right? Look what it says in, in verse 3. And I'm trying to help you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? War according to the what? For the weapons, listen, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of what? Fortresses. You know what a fortress is? It's a castle. Do you know you can build a castle around your vices where God can't get to it? You can compartmentalize God where the word only goes into certain areas. When you build a fortress around your weaknesses, God can't change you. Come on, help me somebody. It says we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. Here we go, right here. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See that? That's what you got to do. When the thought comes in, you got to grab it and arrest it and say, this thought will not overpower me. It's a lie. That's correct. It's a lie. I leave here tonight. I'm, 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 next week, I'm going to talk about bitterness and vindictiveness and stress and worry. Maybe you need to hear some of that. Amen. Unhealthy competition, fear, guilt, worry, anger, judging, hatred. Those are the mental attitude sins that comes upon us as believers and what it does if we do not grab the thought and take it captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You have to quote that scripture to yourself. You have to keep quoting that scripture to yourself. When you wake up in the morning, quote it. You know what? When you go to bed at night, quote it. You have to protect your mind. Don't get to a place in your journey where you're so self-satisfied. But you're at a point where you're not breakable. Where God can't dismantle you to make you over again. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. He's a good God. And I believe That God wants us tonight to recognize these pictures of what he showed us tonight, of who you are. Tonight, I believe God wants us to pay attention. Somebody here is saying, man, I, I'm a good Christian. But my mind 
Imagine praying and your mind is wandering. Do you not know that God wants your attitude to be different? I remember, I remember this. I remember when I was about 13, 14 years old, and, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. <laughs> you know. But I had a question too. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had no self-control. I did not think that I would ever change. I was unbendable. People were trying to do nice things for me, but I was not appreciating it because of my mental attitude. Now, my mental attitude under the curse and not being saved is 10 times worse than being saved and being under the control of the, of, of, of the mental attitude sins, right? And I, I never forget being stuck accepting this is the way I was. I wonder why I'm so grateful today. Because I met a man who knows all about me. And I am, I am willing, and I was willing to bring my life under his control. Listen to me. Bring my life under his control. May I ask you the question tonight? Are you self-diagnosing yourself? Are you living a life that's so unchecked that you have a form of godliness, but it has no power? Because you're not willing to listen. To conform to the image of Christ. To always see it your way. I'm right. I'm always right. I want to say this to you tonight. Jesus has the power to change you. Okay? When I get into, you know, stress is, is, is a mental attitude sin. Guilt. Worry, fear, anger, you know, all these things that go on into our mind, in our minds, and we're, we're trying our best, but, but see, our best ain't good enough because the devil has already gotten the headquarters. He's gotten to headquarters. You take the head, the body goes. Here's what I'm saying tonight. If you need prayer tonight, specifically tonight. I want to pray for you. If you want to come to the altar tonight, you can come. Okay. Um, I want to pray for you tonight. Specifically. Specifically tonight. Because I feel a need to pray specifically for you tonight, whoever you are. That God will begin to